Hey guys, you're listening to She's Obsessed the Podcast and I'm your host Jamelia Donaldson, also known as Jamelia is Obsessed. This week's episode is super special because it was recorded as part of our birthday pop-up shop in November. The theme for our virtual pop-up shop at Treasure Tress was Treasure Tress Travel and of course, what's a flight without in-flight entertainment? So this panel was sponsored by Shea Moisture and was your in-flight entertainment if you flew first class or business class with us. On the panel, you'll hear Flow of MDM Flow, Tiwa of Confident and Killing It, Tree of Culture UK and the Curve Catwalk and Victoria of Sunrose Snacks. And of course, myself. We talk about the reality of lockdown and the opportunities presented by lockdown the importance of black women being in the room and sharing opportunities, pressure to make your business more palatable as a black owned business, shying away from being the face of your brand or platform, the importance of black women being the face of their brand, owning your story and truly showing up as a founder, fear of judgment and one of my favourite topics clearly, mentors. I hope you enjoy this episode, let's go. Welcome to um, at Treasure Trust HQ and welcome to the in-flight entertainment or thank you for providing the in-flight entertainment for Treasure Trust Travels. So I'm really excited to have this conversation with you all. It's definitely more of a discussion but I'm really keen to hear all of your individual experiences as black British women in business. So to start with, um, would you mind just introducing yourself, um, saying your name, the name of your business and are you a duty-free shopper or are you someone that heads straight to the gate? So I'm Flo, the founder of MDM Flo and Flo Beauty Co, um, a colour cosmetics brand and a skincare and wellness brand. I am definitely a duty-free shopper, especially when it comes to fragrance. I've got to get my um, Elizabeth Arden 8-hour cream and then every now and then a cheeky pair of sunglasses. I'm a perfume type of girl. Yeah, well. love it. Uh, hi, I'm Tiwa and I'm the founder of Confident and Killing It. So I'm a confidence coach, a podcast host and um, just all around positive vibes babe. Um, yes, I'm a duty free shopper, but mainly for the alcohol. Okay. <laughs> uh, if I'm being totally honest, uh, I do get my favorite perfume from Beauty Free as well. So got a balance. Yeah. And, mix of both and which alcohol were you going for in Beauty Free? Um, ooh, it depends on where I'm going to. Okay. So, you went to Santorini recently. Um, yeah. So when I went to Santorini, I got some champagne because it was oh, like yeah. a beauty okay. holiday. <laughs> and a rose as well. My name's Jamelia, I'm founder CEO of Treasure Tress, and I am a duty-free shopper, but just for perfume and snacks for the aeroplane, because aeroplane food just doesn't hit for me. Um, hi, I'm Trina, I am the founder of The Curve Catwalk, which is the UK's first plus-size dance class, and I'm not a duty-free shopper because I'm usually late to the airport, <laughs> so I have to dash to my gate. Um, yeah. <laughs> Do you get nervous or are you just like, Do you know, I know I'm going to make it. The plane's going to wait for me. Uh, you are. <laughs> <laughs> because I don't like the whole queuing up stuff. Like, I have my seat. Like, it's all Have you good. ever missed a flight, though? No, I've never missed a flight. Wow, okay. I have. It's one of the worst experiences. <laughs> 
you know, and I, to be fair, when I say late, I'm never at the stage where they're calling my name. <laughs> I'm just like, I, I usually get there when boarding is happening. So I'm yeah. not doing the whole queuing and fighting. It's just like, yeah. I just stole in like. <laughs> I'm here, guys. So yeah, no duty fee for me. <laughs> Hi, everyone. My name's Victoria. I'm the CEO and founder of Sunday Snacks. So I'm definitely a duty free shopper. Um, I'm makeup and I always stop up on mascaras that expire because it's like 12 months long. Um, and I'm definitely a perfume girl when it comes to duty free. There we go. So basically everyone's duty free shopping but tree. Good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm not judging you. She's <laughs> rolling in as well at checkout. <laughs> um, so my first question for you guys is... What did you think you were creating when you started your business? So, Tree, I might start with you on this one, actually. When you started Curve Catwalk, what is it that you thought you were doing versus what it has now become? Um, so, when I first started in 2018, I, was, I thought I was creating a space for myself, number one, um, that I wanted to dance and create fun routines for me and my friends. Like, literally, that was it. Um, what it has become is um, a, a real community. It's become like a safe space for, I mean, thousands of women. Um, yeah, just to, to dance for sure, but it's a real space to like build on your confidence, your self-esteem, to try something new, like stepping out of your comfort zone. Um, and yeah, I mean... I don't know if we're going to get into it later, but where the business has gone is crazy. But it started off for me, and now it's a place for other people. I love that. I think it's really important, and I think it's a huge advantage when you are your own consumer, because mm. then you're always able to forward think and think, oh, this is what I want, yeah. so this is what my consumer probably wants yeah. as well. And I think that also changed. Like, I didn't have, to, I didn't feel like I needed to do the whole, like, what's the business plan? Like, I didn't do that whole, like, pages and pages of paper it was like what do I want that's what I'm going to create and then hopefully it resonates with other people mm -hmm. I didn't do a business plan either did anyone do like a full-on couple of page business plan I feel like you did well because I was applying for a loan so I had to have somewhat of a plan mm -hmm. but as soon as I secured the money I don't even think I looked at the plan <laughs> <laughs> like you got the best <laughs> Yeah. How about you, Victoria? Um, so I, no, business plan wasn't complete. Mm -hmm. I think it was a whole load of, oh, this is our mission and vision. But I'm very, like, meticulous when it comes to planning. So mm -hmm. I literally have a timetable of, like, what I'm going to do day to day. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I am quite of an obsessive planner. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. I used the Lean Canvas model and I literally just filled in all yeah. of the boxes and I was like, okay, cool. I really <laughs> <No. did. laughs> Because I was like, I can't justify the time it's going to spend me to write out this business plan. Yeah. Yeah. Because who's going to read it other than me exactly. right now? Um, how about you, Flo? You used the lean one as well. Yeah. Makes sense. Cool. What did you think you were creating when you created it? So when I started my brand, I thought I was creating the like beauty version of a streetwear brand. And I was really obsessed with like streetwear culture, like brands like Supreme, which now like looking at Supreme, they're like, a billion dollar brand like who would have thought like not me <laughs> but um so I just thought yeah I'm just creating something that's just going to be really cool like a bit of a cult type thing and it was that 
And then now I'm like, no, I want to be the biggest brand in the world. And I think it's just as I've gone through the process of like running a business, my mindset around what I can achieve has like grown so much. So I'm like, I'm not going to limit myself to just being like this cool cultural thing. Like I want, and also like the beauty industry's changed, like Fenty launched, like diversity is such a big conversation within the industry. And I feel like it should be black women who like lead. It shouldn't be like brands that have never cared about us that suddenly take up all the market share because they've released a couple more shades. Like it should be actually like women who care about like diverse women's needs. So yeah, now I'm just like, yeah, I want to be the biggest, baddest brand. Yeah. <laughs> and I completely agree. Yeah, it shouldn't be black women just being the consumers. Like we 100%. should be the pioneers. And you picked up on skin shades really early on and the fact that we didn't have shades that were catering mm. to our skin tone. So what's it been like for you? Because you started when you were 22. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how old you are now. Um, I'm 29 now. And it's so, I feel like I always say like my business has almost been like my life MBA type thing. Cause when I started, like I studied cosmetic science, I was a formulator. So I knew how to make products, but I didn't know anything about business. And so it's just been now when I look at my 22 year version of myself, I'm like, what, what are you doing? <laughs> just doing anything. But at the same time, like being so naive in a way, like meant that I just did what I wanted to do, which has been great. Cause at the beginning, a lot of the things that I wanted to do are like just normal in the industry now. And people were telling me that, like, oh, you can't have blue lipstick. Now you walk down the street and you see a woman with blue lips and no one says anything. So like just little things that I just kind of like intuitively did because that's what I wanted. Now I'm like, actually, like I can have like a growth plan around this and I can you know more than have this one shade like have a shade selection so I think and I always say this to like young women all the time who want to do things like your passion like counts for a lot even if you don't really know what you're doing and you can feel it fill in the gaps along the way as you go absolutely absolutely and T while you're nodding yeah. <laughs> I know you agree with that much. yes definitely I think passion plays such a big role in everything you do especially when you're starting a business because if you like passion is what keeps you going it's what sets your heart on fire you know so I think that's when you also feel your most confident self when you're doing what you love and so yeah I really agree like putting passion at the heart of everything mm -hmm. And your pure good vibes, and I think we had a fangirl moment when we realised <laughs> that we all discovered you on the Beauty Stack Summit, yeah. and we were like, wow, she's incredible. Um, so how did you, how did Confident in Killing It start, and did it start as a business, or were you just like helping friends, and like, um, yeah. then you just noticed you had this skill? How, yeah. how did it unfold? So I was actually volunteering as a youth leader, and um, so I was working in an engineering company in their marketing department, and I absolutely hated it. And I was like, there needs to be more to my life than being stuck in a job that I hate. So I decided to volunteer as a youth leader and start working with some teenage girls. And I realized they all had confidence issues. And I was like, I remember when I was 16 and I hated my skin, I hated my body. I was like, how are we here again? Another generation of young women growing up and the narrative hasn't changed. I was like, this is crazy. Like, why are we acting like it's normal? It's not. And so um, initially my brand was called Your Wake Up because it was all about waking women up to like the greatness within them. And, and I, my plan was to like read loads of books and watch loads of Oprah videos <laughs> and then basically like create like um, a platform where people could come and read like the book reviews and like get inspiration and like knowledge and things like that. But 
um, when I made my first video about how important it is to love and believe in, in yourself, um, which was my own words, not from any book that I'd read, um, I started getting loads of DMs from girls and then I was giving out loads of advice and then I was like, let me just put on an event and see if people turn up. And then I got like 200 emails wow. <laughs> of like women registering when I was expecting like 30. Um, and then the event was called Confident and Killing It 101. Um, which is all about like self-love so that's what the event was called and then after that event because it like literally blew up everywhere I went people were like hey confident and killing it hey confident and killing it and I was like oh okay <laughs> I was like hey that's me <laughs> so I literally just created the Instagram page the domain was free the Instagram name was free everything was like aligned so I was like okay it's confident and killing it and it's really still going to be about waking women up to their worth so they can be confident unstoppable and live the life that they truly desire so um now i've gone into like corporate workshops as well and looking at well-being in the workplace for women and using your voice in the workplace um got the podcast and now i'm building a community so it's definitely grown in the space of a year this is all this year yeah because i started in 2016 with just instagram videos till last year when i quit my um full-time job to run confident and killing it full-time is when everything just exploded so yeah i'm excited for next year to see where that takes me amazing and this year's been huge for you because you've had a ton of corporate clients yeah what was your career before you um, went full-time so i was working for a female empowerment ngo um, and they were all about using media and technology to um, support teenage girls living in developing countries. So I was still doing stuff around supporting women because that was another thing. I was like, I want my full-time job to be aligned with my passions. And that was all around um, empowering women through community, tech, and content and using media in a powerful way. That's my real mission because I think media is so powerful. And if we can create media that actually makes women feel good about themselves rather than makes them feel insecure, then we can really start having a positive conversation in society. Um, so, um, yeah, this year I've just been focused on like, um, I think when I started the community, so many women who came to my webinars this year were like, oh, Tiwa, I work at Facebook, I would love to have you. Or like, oh, you know, I work at Google, like, let's, we're putting on an event, please come and be a speaker. And I was like, sorry, what? <laughs> you know, like, it was just crazy. So, um, yeah, I'm really, like, just grateful for how it's grown. But, like, that's the power in community. You don't have to do it on your own. And now I haven't sent one outreach email since July. All my business this year has just come to me. Amazing. And I'm like, wow, this is some serious manifestation. Yeah. Like God is good, you know, but like that is the power of community where I'm black women supporting each other. All of those opportunities came from black women in all those incredible tech companies putting me forward. Um, Victoria, so as yes. we talk about transitioning from corporate to full-time entrepreneurship, do you want to take us through your career journey today? Yeah, absolutely. So I studied accounting and finance at uni. I always knew I wanted to be a business person from like 16 years old. And then I just knew I needed the skills, like the financial literacy to be able to do the behind the scenes work, to do things like get investors um, and just to plan the business. Um, and so I ended up, of course, working in finance. Um, and I, I mean, I'm a people's person, so I love just being in the office and that support that you get whilst you're there. So transitioning into entrepreneurship for me was like 
okay, I'm going to be at home. I'm going to either be an, in an office by myself. And it's just that interaction at first I didn't have. And it was really scary for me. Um, but I found that, you, like, my business, from, like, going back to your first question, my business now to where what I imagined it would be at the beginning is very inclusive of so many people. Like, I get messages from young people all the time. Um, and because we went into Sainsbury's, um, Sainsbury's buyers have said, a lot of people see your brand and they've decided, oh, I want to put an ethnic product in store. Like black founders are coming to Sainsbury's and approaching Amazing. them um, in the numbers, just like realizing that they can do it as well. So I've realized I've kind of, we've kind of built a community around Sumo, which I didn't expect before. I just thought it's going to be me knocking on everyone's door, badgering people with emails and just like sending out samples. So it's definitely been something where the community has come on board. Um, and I don't think I'll go back to finance. I just, I mean, I remember telling people in the office, I don't want to leave. Like, I really don't. Um, but it's just there's so much more that you can do and you realise that your time is much well better spent mm -hmm. on your passion than mm -hmm. in something that you're not so passionate about but it gives you a good paycheck at the end of the day. So, yeah, it, it was a hard transition at first but I'm really glad that I made it. And how long did you balance the two for? So how long were yeah. you side hustling before you took it full time? So the whole time I was working, right? So the whole time through university mm -hmm. I was kind of working on Sumo, going to market stores. Whilst I was working in finance, I was still, um, you know, going to trade shows. So the launch of Sumo was literally whilst I was in finance. So I would wake up at like 7 a.m., go on the trading floor, be in the little room in the back, like sending emails for Sumo. <laughs> so it was really, it was a balance the whole way through. Um, long hours, early mornings, late nights, so yeah. Nice. And have you ever felt as though, or what's it been like introducing a quote-unquote ethnic product to yeah. the market? Because I know there is a temptation in this. I know that when I started Treasure Dress, yeah. one of the first pieces of feedback that I got when I spoke to investors for the first time was, oh, um, you should create a box like this for white women as well. And it was yeah. Like, yeah, no, that's not really what I'm doing. Yeah. That's not really my lane. Um, there's a problem that I'm actually solving for black women, so that's who I'm going to continue to focus on. Yeah. Did you ever feel like you had to water down your brand to make it more palatable to a wider to audience? I did. Um, so initially, I would have my picture on the Instagram page as our like main picture before we had our logo. And I actually got messages from black people just saying, you shouldn't have your picture on there because people won't buy from you because you're black. And I was just black like... Black people said that. Yeah, you. like a black oh. man. And I would go to trade shows and I remember them, like, it was so patronising, but he was just like, oh, um, do you really feel like people are going to buy from you? Like a black man, do you really think people are going to buy from you because you're black? And obviously it's gone completely full circle where he's like, messaged me like, oh, I want to help you with marketing now. Um, but <laughs> Your marketing didn't help. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's just like, I love that there's a whole black owned business movement now where people are boldly their brand. Um, I changed the picture just because we've got our logo now, but I wasn't shy about showing that I'm the founder of the company. Mm -hmm. um, and I would read stories of businesses that would only reveal that they're black when they like made a million pounds or so. Mm -hmm. And I just thought at the time it was just so unspoken. Like it was just a thing that we would just kind of like brush under the carpet and it was just done. But now people are like boldly showing, yeah, I'm the owner of this business. I'm black. 
Um, so I love that. Um, so yeah, definitely, I, I would say it, it. there's been a lot of changes. Um, I would hide. <laughs> um, but now it's just, it's just so, I, I wouldn't say I water it down to the white community because even though I'm Nigerian, I am British. Mm-hmm. So people might look at the brand and be like, there was a comment on our Instagram like, oh, um, Planta and Chris have gone to Harvard. And I'm just like, well, a lot of people look at the brand and say, oh, this is really, it's not African looking brand. But at the same time, um, I'm British. So it's very much representative of my background. I'm very East London. I'm, I grew up in London. So it's not like I'm trying to cater to the white community. I'm just kind of catering to people like myself, which we have a mixture of backgrounds. Fair. Did anyone else um, hide their face when they started their business? I know that when I launched Treasure Dress, it maybe took me about two years before I was actually comfortable, like, putting myself forward or exposing that, oh, yeah, this is who's behind Treasure Dress. Unless you knew me personally, you wouldn't know that, like, I was the owner of Treasure Dress. And I think it was, I don't know what it was. I just felt like, I don't know, maybe it was insecurity. Maybe it was uncertainty. I don't know. I just didn't feel comfortable doing it. Did anyone else have that experience? And then, Tiwa, I'm interested to hear what your thoughts are on why women do that. I, I did. Really? I, yeah, like, <laughs> when the Curve Catwalk started and, like, the videos on the Instagram started, like, being shared, nobody knew it was me, like, behind the brand. Um, but I think that was because... I started realising, when I started getting feedback from the women that were coming to the classes, etc., and how much the space meant for them and, you know, how much they, yeah, like how much their confidence was growing and stuff. For me, I saw it as, like, this is no longer, like, this isn't about me. I saw, I felt like this really isn't about me. It's about them. Um, So I just thought it didn't kind of make sense to just have my face plastered everywhere. It was really about them. So I wanted to then showcase the community and the women coming to this space. So I never really thought about it in a sense of like, I'm hiding myself. I just literally saw it as it's not about me. Unless you were in the room, like in that dance class, and obviously I'm teaching, so you know it's me. But in terms of the message and in terms of the journey that people are going on, um, that yeah, I, it's like it wasn't about me. So, I mean, to, still to this day, really, I mean, a bit more now you will like see my face pop up, but still, you don't really see me. Yeah, and I think you have other women go and teach classes as well. So yeah. It really is about everyone that's a part of it actually Absolutely. stepping forward and doing their thing. Yeah, as well. and that contributes to the success of it. It really yeah. is about like the community that yeah. it really they make it what it is. Exactly. So I think to have a focus on me, yeah, it just didn't really make sense to me. It really is about them and their contribution to the space. Absolutely. How about you, Flo? So I'm the complete opposite. <laughs> yeah, I've always like put myself out. But I think within my industry, there's a lot of like visible founders and most of them are white. And for a long time, white males and only recently have like um, women been like, you know, the faces of their brand. And something that massively inspired me at the beginning of my business was Sophia Amoruso, the founder of Nasty Girl. And I love the fact that she like, so I did all these interviews all these like whether it be tv magazines and she was so audacious about the fact that she like was a school dropout and she didn't have any business education and she did did it all on her own and I was thinking like 
black girls need someone who can show that they can do it too so from the very beginning I've just like been like yep yeah, this is me and also like I'm a massive advocate for like STEM and like um young people getting educate like getting um jobs and careers within like science technology engineering and math so I wanted to show the fact that I'm a scientist because a lot of um, beauty brands are like if it is founded or fronted by a woman like she's a supermodel or she's an influencer which is great but you can also be like a massive geek and start mm-hmm. a brand so that's something that I've wanted to like really show and like like you said I've had people say to me like oh no like you talk about race too much in your interviews um and I'm like even till this day majority of my customers are white like they literally don't care leave me alone <laughs> like, it's it's an important conversation to have and it's been really helpful now that the conversation like in general has moved to now people being like oh okay now as a as a society we're ready to talk about race because before it was like oh you know you're the rebel that's always talking about um, issues that like black women face when it comes to beauty and it's like well actually no like black women are always talking about it to each other and like we need like advocates who are going to speak about it on bigger platforms so that things that have happened um over this year specifically can happen and people be like okay this is a big problem I completely agree with what you're saying. I think it's so important to own your story and to actually show up as a founder. And um, I've always had my face from the beginning because I was sharing my story and kind of like talking about how important it is. Um, But I also understand that if you're building a community, sometimes it's not always about you. But what I see a lot of female founders worried about is the fear of judgment. You know, what if people don't like this piece of content? What if people don't like how I look? Um, I remember, I was coaching a yoga teacher and she was like I don't feel I'm slim enough to be a yoga teacher so she didn't want to put content out there and um, so it's that fear of are people going to judge me am I not perfect do I look like the typical scientist or you know makeup artist or founder and I think that fear of what will people think of me often stops women from showing up as their true authentic self but as um black women like representation is so important because a young girl is going to see that and go if she can do it I can do it too so I've always wanted to be like the face of my business because I think like confidence and joy they're contagious I want another woman to see my confidence and be like wow if Tiwa can do it after being such an insecure teenager that means there is hope for me too but I feel like if I'm hiding then people don't get to hear my story and I think there is so much power in all of our stories they need to be shared so that women also give themselves permission to show up and be confident and put themselves out there i love that i really do um i feel like there's also so many internal conversations that i have with myself a lot of the time as well like for example i'm november box i'm on the front cover of it and i've never been on the cover of the magazines that go in our box and i didn't want to and i was like creating this big fast but I did not get listened to and my picture was used anyway but there were so many conversations I had it was like oh I hope everyone doesn't think that I'm self-centered I hope everyone doesn't think that this is just me and I think I've done it all by myself when really I had the help of my team I hope that people don't think and I like all of these things went through my head um, and then I just have to like think back to conversations that I have like Tree sends me messages all the time always at the perfect time like you're doing amazing blah 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 and I'm like okay let me think back to something that someone said that affirms yeah. me that made me feel like okay no, Jamila, it's all right to be on the cover because you have worked really hard for a really long time. 
and so I think it's really interesting that like we have those conversations but then as black women we also just layer this additional layer of pressure yeah. um I think even when it comes down to appearance because as black women we, we don't fit into the typical standard of beauty as it is and I feel like when you're in front of a business or especially in front of a beauty business you feel like you have to be perfect all of the time and it's like this extra layer of pressure um what are some extra layers of pressure that you guys feel like you put on yourself or society puts on you as a black female founder um i just think because even though it's kind of changing food and drink is very corporate so it's like dominated by white males um or just even white females there's not that many females but definitely white males so i think pressures i put on myself is just are they going to take me seriously? Are they going to listen to me? Um, when we go to trade shows and we're speaking to buyers, they're like, oh, you're so sweet. And it's just like, okay, are you going to even stop me type of thing? So I think the pressure is just, you know, am I, am I being listened to? And I, I don't think it's like unjust because it's true. Sometimes like I've been to our manufacturer and um, a member of staff. So I was working on the, on the, on the floor with the production and the member of staff was like to me, oh, um, how long have you been working at Sunmo? And I was like, uh, I found that everyone was looking at her like, correction. <laughs> I am Sunmo. <laughs> correction. And I was like, oh. So it's, it's kind of, I wouldn't say it's uncalled for pressure, but it does make me feel like, should I put someone else there when it comes to sales calls or when it comes to sales meetings rather than myself? I'd say uh, it's a bit of a pressure that way. But I just realised, especially because the buyers have warmed to me, that I'm probably one of the best people to sell my brand at the moment. So, Absolutely. Absolutely. That's crazy. Have you ever had an experience like that? I've definitely had an experience where people um, assume that I wasn't the owner. I actually haven't, but probably because I'm just so bait. Like, my <laughs> like, you Google the brand and my face comes up. But I think for me, my pressures have been more about, like, how I look because being in the beauty industry, like, everyone is so beautiful. Everyone's using 100 filters. Everyone's, in it, like, an incredible makeup artist. Even the fact that, like, I did makeup for a while working on counters, but I'm not a makeup artist. And there's all these, like, you know, incredible makeup artists, fronted brands, and they can do these glamorous looks on Instagram lives. And I'm just like, guys, what do you think about this color? <laughs> and so I think there's times where I've just kind of, and it's a weird thing because it's never been external. And that my, my customers and my community are like so strong and so empowering, which I absolutely love because a huge theme within my brand is confidence. But there are certain times when I'm just like, uh, just not really feeling myself. Oh, I've put myself out there. So like even the day that like I was, we were talking to you earlier about like filming for Channel 4, like literally up until the day before, I was like, I haven't pressed my hair. Uh, don't have, I can't have a makeup artist because of lockdown. Duh, duh, duh. Like, do I still want to do this? And I just had to like go in and obviously do it. Um, and then other times I'm like, it's, it's not important. And like, I'm always, and I always think like, how can I want my customers to feel confident and try and empower them if I'm not like empowered myself? But yeah, Instagram can be very <laughs> tough, especially when like you're putting yourself out to like thousands of people. And like, like one, actually once I had someone DM me and tell me I was ugly. <laughs> On my brand page, <laughs> just like yeah. So and in that moment, I was having a good day, so I was just like okay, blocked. But it's stuff like that. I think mm. you're like, mm. 
how am I? But then it's not important. And that's what I always have to come down yeah. to. It's like, at the end of the day, I have an incredible community who in most parts don't even care about mm-hmm. how I look like. They care about the quality of the product, mm-hmm. how the product makes them feel. Um, and I look fine. You Beautiful. do look fine. <laughs> Everything is popping. <laughs> Um, yeah, I really relate to that because before I put my first video out on Instagram, my immediate thing was you have to have clear skin before you start making videos on Instagram. Like you have to have like full face beat because you know, if you go on and I, I, and I had a lot of acne at the time, I was like, if you go on there and your skin isn't clear, people are going to judge you for that. But then I had to remind myself that the message in me that I'm delivering to the world, the story of my brand or the product or the service is way more important than what I look like, how much I weigh, the color of my skin, whether I have spots or I don't have spots. So I think um, re-looking at like, what's my real purpose here? Like, what's my mission? And let all the negativity just kind of like, just block it out. Like someone asked me the other day, like, how I deal with negative comments. And I was like, my haters don't actually have access to me. Like, they, like, I've not even, like, I can't see you. Like, if I have haters, great, but I have no idea if they're actually there because you dare not, like, you know, come into my space and tell me that, you know? Um, so I think it's, it's so important to realize, like, your opinion of yourself matters more than other people's negative opinions of you. And you will have haters, like, they're there. If Beyonce can have have haters like who are we not to have this haters you know <laughs> so i think it's a natural part of life but like you said building that confidence to know that other somebody else's negative opinion of me isn't who i am so i can just kind of like push that to the side and focus on what i'm really doing here and when we talk about building confidence curve catwalk always comes to mind because i've seen the comments that people have left on your page I've seen how even just attending the workshop has changed people. Even when you hosted one for us at Treasure Chest, I was just like, oh my God, wow, this is actually incredible. Um, So what's been your experience with seeing people's confidence grow through coming to the Curve Catwalk? And how did that almost, or how does that continue to inspire you to do more? Mm. It's actually really emotional for me. Um, I think because I never, I don't even think I understood the power of the space and the classes. So when I then started getting feedback from people telling me their experience, telling me how it's literally impacted their life, how their life has changed, and also just different people's journeys, different people's backgrounds. So, you know, we get all kinds of women that come. So people who have gone through maybe like sexual assault, um, it could be something as extreme as that, or, you know, like mothers where your body's changing after giving birth and they're just trying to connect with themselves again. Um, to younger girls who just don't have confidence at all so I think for me especially over a period of time when I'm seeing people you know walking in and they're shy or they're wearing like super baggy clothes to after a period of time when like they're coming in their their crop top and like their body riders I'm like okay but I think like representation is so key because you'll be in this space like people come up to this like show up and there's a room of like 20 other women um And it kind of, yeah, reaffirms things for you. Like, oh, okay, I'm a bigger girl, but I can wear a crop top or fishnet tights. And that's okay. She's wearing that. She's wearing it and she looks good. Like, let me try it. So I think it's nice when we talk about community because that message is not always coming from me. Or like some people, I might say that and some people might resonate with it and take it, but some people might not. So it's nice that that sort of message isn't always coming from me and it's always 
other women in the room as well that you're just kind of thinking oh she can do it I can do it she can do it I can do it so um that's really really important and I think when I'm when women do come into the space and when we are dancing I always tell them like it's not even about the dancing like you don't have to be a good dancer people are like oh, I can't dance it's like that's not even the part of it it's just about you yourself for one showing up for yourself for sure like even just being in the room so many people say like you know they bought a ticket and then they just haven't turned out because they're just like shy or they're anxious so even just showing up like acknowledging the fact that you have shown up for yourself you know um and then just what you go through I always say to a lot of people that just that experience of like feeling the fear and doing it anyway. We really overlook those moments. Like it's a big deal, like really acknowledge like actually I was scared or I wasn't confident in the situation and I did it and actually it worked out or I did it and I felt great. Like acknowledging those moments and I get a lot of the women to acknowledge those moments in the class because it's like that sort of experience, that journey that you've just been on in this whole two hour class, that's something that you can that can relate to any area of your life, you know, whether it's work, whether it's starting a business, whether it's your family, whatever it is, that whole, I was really anxious, I'm scared, but I'm going to push through it, I'm going to step out of my comfort zone, and actually it wasn't that bad, you know what I mean, just getting used to acknowledging those moments, because that can apply to any area of your life, um, and that's when people realise, like, oh, it's not really about the dancing, is it, and I'm like, no, like, <laughs> you've you've come out of this room and learnt so much about yourself, but um, I feel like we don't often check in with ourselves and, like, give ourselves that credit of, I've actually accomplished something, I've achieved something. That means if I've done it once, I can do it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. And I think checking in and having that moment is really important. And I think what I love most about your journey is that I can clearly see that your life purpose is reflected in literally every single thing that you touch. How does, does anyone else take time to sit back and be like, oh, what am I actually here to do? And this is beautifully connected to it. That's a deep question. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm a massive believer in purpose and I definitely, I always say like I couldn't imagine myself doing anything else or working in any other industry because I really understand the need for me like being within the beauty industry um, and like with a lot of the things that I've said before, like whether that's like the science element of my brand, like I absolutely love that I can like speak on it and I can talk about, you know, what's within, what's in my products, which I was doing when I launched in 2013, whereas now there's this whole like beauty movement around people wanting to know what's in their products and what they're using on their skin um, to like having really um, colours that empower people, like bright and bold colours that are like really unusual and different to now like people like you coming in and being like, you know what, confidence is important. So for me, I'm like every, anytime I kind of get a bit like carried away with like the business and the numbers and like my expectations of where I want to be at, I'm always like, well, your what you're doing aligns with your purpose. So you're doing the right thing regardless. And so everything else will work out. And so that's more so the mindset that I have like day to day. So I don't get carried away with, you know, wanting to hit the next target or do the next big thing. I think it's, for me, it's been so important to define success on my own terms because when, for me, success was about how many likes or followers or how many people commented, I was a hot mess because there will always be somebody with more numbers than you, yeah. period, you know? So 
And when I was always looking at the numbers, I was losing track of why I was doing what I was doing in the first place. And one of my favorite definitions of success is Maya Angelou's definition. And she says, success is liking who you are, liking what you do and liking how you do it. And so when I just started looking at life through that lens, I realized like success isn't about how many people show up or sign up to a workshop. Success is about, did I myself have the courage to believe in what I have to offer and put myself out there to put on the workshop? And that just made me feel a lot more grounded in everything that I was doing and knowing that, um, that yeah, I'm creating the impact that I want to create because it feels true to me when I really stop and think about it. Victoria, how have your life experiences like led you to where you are now to make you feel like, yep, yeah, I'm qualified to do this, I can really do this? Yeah, I think um, I think going off of success, I definitely feel like every time I put out something, I get the gratification of I've achieved even without the feedback, just because um, I think for a time there was where I was a bit like, I got to a stage, I'm, I was very bold, confident as a youth, but then I got to a stage where I was very in like in myself um, and I was kind of apprehensive to put things out so I think I get that I get the gratification of just just from putting things out there even and I realized afterwards that people see things even if they haven't kind of shown you that they've seen it um, so that feedback just knowing that you know you've put that out there now it's gonna pay back pay itself back in some time Um, I think my journey um just I feel like my mum is a big part of me just feeling like I'm I'm the ish like I can do this like I, I don't think I've ever I think people sometimes say oh um, how do you get the confidence to maybe speak publicly or things like that but I've just always had that internally I've never really felt like I'm not worthy of certain things I've just always felt as though I'm worthy of everything I can put my mind to and it's just up to me to step into it um so yeah, I think, yeah, my mum's a very confident, talkative, bub bubbly person. She believes that the sky is the is not even the limit, like you can go above <laughs> and beyond. So yeah, I think definitely um, that has really helped with me just, just feeling, feeling like everything that I really want and I've achieved, I've, I definitely deserve. I love it. 100%. <laughs> <laughs> Tima, what have been some of the things that you would share or you've shared with clients? And have mm -hmm. you noticed any distinct differences between black female founders and female founders from different cultures or with mm. different backgrounds? Yeah, um, I think with black women, what I've seen a lot is that worthiness piece, exactly what you were saying, which is why I was so excited when you were saying, I felt like I've always been worthy because when I speak to a lot of black women, it's always that like, like they're waiting for permission to step into their life. And I'm like, honey, you are responsible for your life. No one is going to give you permission. You have to take that permission and know that you are worthy. So when I have my one-to-one -one coaching sessions, the first thing I do is do an exercise that actually wakes women up to realize that everything they need to win in life is already within them. And a lot of women are living on autopilot because they don't know what greatness lies within them. Um, so something I've seen across the board, both black and white women, is like not being awake to the greatness within them. But I think with black women more specifically is that understanding that your worth is intrinsic 
and your worth does not depend on the color of your skin, your background, how much money you have, the challenges that you face. Like you matter simply because you exist. The fact that you are alive, you are breathing, you are here means that you matter. So stop worrying about who says you're worthy or who doesn't believe in you or who does. Like focus on what you want for your life and wake up to the fact that you already have what you need and you are worthy of the greatness that you dream of. So go off and get it. Like, you know, it's that simple. I feel like I'm getting so wrapped up in this conversation. I forgot about my questions. Um, so, Flo, I mentioned already that you started at 22, yeah. 29 now, so seven years deep. Yeah. Um, are you ever scared of or have you ever fallen out of love with the beauty industry? Uh, all the time. <laughs> the beauty industry gets on my nerves. <laughs> um, but funny enough, I get a lot of my inspiration from the music industry because I feel like when artists talk about when they create projects, it's always like from a place of inspiration and passion. Whereas when I look at the beauty industry, it's very much, oh, this is the trend, this is in, this is what's not in. And I've never really wanted to run my business that way. So especially early on when um, my business um, first started getting into retailers, a lot of people would be like, oh, we love what you're doing. We want to stock your brand because we love it. And then the moment I'm in the door, oh, actually, you should do this and you should change this and you should change this about your packaging. And I'd always just be like, nah, like I'm not going to do it. And then I, like, I, I released my liquid lipsticks around the time Kylie Jenner's um, liquid lipsticks came out and obviously like ha were a massive success. And so I had retailers being like, oh, you know, you need to have colours that are similar to Kylie Jenner. And I was like, nah, like, I'm not Kardashian. Like, this is not going to run. But I think always thinking about the music industry and like my favorite artists and like when I listen to my favorite albums and I'm like oh it makes me feel away like that's how I want people to feel about my products like I want them to genuinely love it and feel like this has been made for me this is not just something that's been made to be a copycat of another brand or another um product so yeah so yeah I'm always kind of like if you follow me on Twitter I'm always like ranting about the beauty industry and like like things that I see happen um, and even like brands and things that brands are doing, like the beauty industry can be very like um, copycat-y. I've had brands like copy my brand or copy my colours. Um, I've had like a certain brand, people reach out to me from their team and be like, oh, I just want you to know like your brands are not inspirational. And I'm like, great, like you're like one of the biggest brands in the world and you're taking inspiration from me. But at the same time, like that's a blessing because if they're like looking at what I'm doing, they're not coming up with anything new. And I'm always thinking about like the future of my brand and the future of what I'm creating. And I think for me, that's so much bigger than just the industry that I'm in. Absolutely. And you said something that I found quite important. You said that um, people were giving you feedback and you were dismissing it because you knew it wasn't for your brand. Yeah. How do you tread the fine line of knowing and being very clear on what your brand's about and what you stand for, but then also being receptive to feedback? I think for me, when it comes to feedback, the most important feedback I can get is from my customers and my community, because they're going to tell me like what it is that they want and they're already invested. Mm -hmm. And I can, it's so clear to see when someone gives feedback and they've, they've not even been on the website. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like it's like, they'll, they'll just buy what they say or how, like sometimes the way people describe my brand, I'm like, you're not talking about my brand because you, like, if you know my brand, then you wouldn't kind of be saying that. Whereas I feel like when I've followed like my customers and given them what they want like number one the business grows because like word of mouth still is like the number one 
form of marketing. So for someone to be like, I love this product and, you know, I'm going to speak to everyone I know, like my sister, my friend, my colleague at work about it is what kind of helps my brand grow. So for me, it's more so looking at where the feedback is coming from and also what the person who gives the feedback has to gain from it. Um, because especially like when it comes to, um, speaking to buyers sometimes like some buyers absolutely fall in love with the brand and they genuinely do like want you to win but for others you're just another skew or you're just another product and it's just about their curation and how you know their store and their environment so for me yeah customers always number one that makes complete sense and just for those watching that may not be that deep in the industry as yet what is a buyer so a buyer is essentially the key decision maker from a store. Um, so be it like Selfridges, Harvey Nichols, Sainsbury's, Tesco's, and they're the one who like decides whether or not they want to have your brand and um, how much they want to invest in having your brand. So how much um, like marketing they're going to give you, um, how much of your product they're going to buy from you. So like I know I've done a little bit of slagging but it is a very important relationship <laughs> when it comes to brand building and in my career I've met some awful buyers but I've met some incredible buyers as well and it's a weird thing like it's it's almost like a personal relationship because they have to go on their instinct so much as well even though they are kind of number crunching so yeah like have your own experiences don't <laughs> be like yeah Flo said don't go to buy it <laughs> That's fair. Um, and talking about feedback, Victoria, I know that you do some mentoring as well. Yeah. Um, are you mentored as well? And what made you feel inspired to start mentoring others as well? Yeah, um, I would love to be mentored more. I think I have a good um, community around me who I essentially call mentors, but it's not like in print. But yeah, it's not formally. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely like inspired by people all the time. If I need to ask questions, I definitely ask people who I feel like are achieving and greater than me, which is amazing. Um, and I think for me, um, maybe because I've got little cousins or I don't know what it is, but I've always kind of felt I need to help the next generation. Um, and then it kind of just happened organically. People would just reach out to me um, and ask for help and send me messages. And I'm not someone who wants to just ignore people, even though I've get, I get a lot of messages, <laughs> like LinkedIn and Instagram. It's a lot to go through, but um, definitely if I've like met you and then you've got my number, I will mentor you in that way. So yeah, I think it just kind of happened organically and um, it's just based on my experience. So I would never like mentor someone based on something I don't have any clue about, but more so just people who are inspired by achieving what I've achieved. So I just kind of give them what I, the gems that I got from what I've done. So. So yeah, that's my mentorship journey so far. Oh, nice. You might get some people sliding in your DMs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For mentorship. Oh, okay. Where do we yeah. sign up? <laughs> How about you, Tree? Who do you, who mentors you, if anyone? Um, and what's your thoughts on mentorship or your experience with it? Um, kind of a similar thing. Like I, I don't necessarily have like a contract with anyone, like anything like formal. But same thing. Like if I need to reach out to people. If, yeah, I, I know that it's people I can go to, which, yeah, I would still consider them a mentor. Um, and I also mentor um, younger, like, got three mentors at the moment, one young boy and two young girls, um, which I think is always important. I think it's one of those things where it's like, 
I wish I had that at a younger age and so I just always want to give back and also just showing them what's possible. Um, I think it's also a part of me thinking, oh, only if I started a bit younger, like where would I be right now? So I, yeah, I'm always trying to give give back, I guess. Um, um, but I think it's always really important, like not being scared to ask for help, you know, just that whole thing of like, you don't have to do it by yourself. You're not going to have all the knowledge. And like, it took me a long time to understand that, um, that it's okay to say you need help or just to ask advice, like that's okay to do. Um, I don't know. I don't know if it was this whole thing of, no, but I want to be able to do everything myself. Like, you know, I mean, it was me. That is overrated. That's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I, yeah, definitely overrated, like you say. So, um, it's, yeah, it's important that sort of mentorship relationship that you have with other people, um, no matter how formal it is, it's still important knowing that there are people that you can go to for advice, etc. And it is okay to say you need help or guidance. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And what you do with the Curve Catwalk, as you said, was born out of your desire of, or knowing what you needed and creating a space for it. Um, how do you balance passion, but then also building a sustainable business? Mm. Um, I guess the, yeah, the passion helps me to fuel the sustainable business for sure. Cause if I didn't have that passion, then girl, <laughs> it was, yeah, I think people, yeah, just don't even know what goes behind the scenes, <laughs> especially as like at the moment, it's just, um, so it's me and I have dance instructors, but that passion has to be there. Like, like to you, I was saying earlier, passion has to be there because when you have to do those extra hours or, you know, really stepping out of your comfort zone, like it is the passion that fuels it. So that a hundred percent fuels the business. Otherwise, yeah, you just, you would just fall out of love with it. You can't be bothered. There's no point. Like that would be the attitude behind it. Whereas because I'm passionate about it, because it's something that I know, like I said, I know I needed and I know what it's offering other people that absolutely is fueling everything, you know, um, and getting feedback from, from women, you know, that there is a greater goal. You know, I mean, I know some people might look at my business and be like, oh, okay, it's a dance class. Well, it's more than that. I know it's more than that. I know it offers other people and that there's always like a bigger message there. Um, when it comes to confidence, when it comes to empowerment, um, there's always a greater goal, basically. And it's just, I choose to do it through dance and movement. Whereas I feel like we're all doing that yeah. um, just in our own lanes, yeah. which is yeah. amazing. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Love that. Um, and Tiwa, you are your business. So how how do you manage? Like, how do you separate yeah. Tiwa as an individual from Tiwa, who's the confidence coach, from confident and killing it? Like, how do you create that separation for yourself? Ooh, right now there's no separation. <laughs> there's no separation. It's kind of like um, because it was like my story that really and like my passion that really built confident and killing it like my voice is really much like running through the brand but I've had to be very intentional about um opening up the platform to give other women's voices um space as well so um I'm getting a lot better with um confident and killing it and in terms of like highlighting other women's stories and things like that um 
But with the confidence coaching, as a coach, you know, you have to make sure that your personal stuff doesn't interfere with what's at hand because coaching and therapy aren't the same thing. And as a coach, my job is to wake my clients up and then they, they overcome their challenges and they take the steps forward to where they want to go. So I can't like come in and be like, oh yeah, I did this and I did that. Like coaching isn't mentoring. So actually I say there's no boundaries. There are boundaries now that I think about it. Um, I have to put my coaching hat on to be like, okay, I'm not mentoring this person. I'm not giving them all the answers. My job here is, is to wake them up. Um, but still my personality and my voice and my energy runs through that. I think where I kind of hit burnout was when I realized that actually I was a slave to my own business. Because I remember leaving my nine to five on my first month of being an entrepreneur. I was like, oh, I can wake up at 12. This is great. And then um, a couple of months down the line, I'm like burning out. I'm working like more than 12 hour days. And I'm like, hang on, who set this up? I'm like, oh, it's me. Like, I'm like, I'm not going to be a slave to a business that I created. So in April, May, June, I was coaching 20 women at the same time and also doing corporate stuff and also like thinking about setting up a podcast so that was but that was like I was just overwhelmed by everything so I said yes to everyone and everything and so I've really learned to start saying no because I think as a founder you get this like scarcity mindset where it's like you have to say yes to everything because you don't know when your next opportunity is going to come and so I've had to get better at actually saying no so that my mental and emotional well-being is like preserved and like I still feel in love with my business and um, not just letting all these requests like overwhelm me so yeah it's it's been a journey for sure but now I'm a lot better like I'm only coaching 12 women at the time and there's a waiting list for next year and like you just like I'm cool with that now you know um so um yeah definitely had to start setting boundaries otherwise like yeah the whole thing just turns into a mess I hear that and talking of um tangible resources could everyone share at least two things that you're using to help manage your business it can be like an app it can be software it can be a book a podcast just anything for anyone that's maybe in the early stages or maybe the first or second year in trying to build a really good infrastructure for their business. Yeah, um, so I love Squarespace. So I literally designed my whole website myself on Squarespace and it has like a booking system as well. So, and a scheduling system. So when I'm sending out stuff to my clients, they have a link and they can see my diary and they can book and they can pay through that same link. I don't need to create invoices. And um, when I do like payments, in installments they will automatically charge their card so I don't need to like rush after anyone to pay me so yeah I love Squarespace and Acuity is like the scheduling booking system in Squarespace as well so if you're like a freelancer and you're having different appointment bookings with clients and stuff like that definitely automate that system because if you start going oh I'm free at one o'clock are you free at this it's just like it's so messy and you want to make sure that you're creating a very smooth system for your clients as well so I just send people a link through my Squarespace they click on it they book they pay it's done um, so I definitely recommend um, Squarespace and Acuity and that whole mix amazing um, I'll say books um, I love reading um, Principles by Ray Dalio is a book that I um, read at the beginning of lockdown and I'm at a point where like, I'm looking at scaling my business and there's some incredible like key principles in there 
Um, and another book that I'm reading at the moment is Super Maker by Jamie, I don't know how to say her last name, Schmidt, I don't know how to say it, but, um, she like created like this deodorant business, um, that she sold for eight figures, but she didn't have a background in beauty and just started doing like markets and making it at home in her kitchen. And I think, for like I started making my products at home in my shed and for a lot of people within my industry like you you know you use spaces within your home a lot of us here have spoken about starting at home you mentioned like um you know talking about having a space to work from home so I think for me like it's one of those like nice inspirational stories but it does show that like you know even with a small beginning you can go on to build something incredible I haven't heard of either of those books so I'm definitely yeah, yeah like those those principles principles amazing yeah I've not heard of them. Um, um, <laughs> uh, well, content. I'll talk about content because creating content. Yeah, I do a lot of content on Instagram and stuff like that. So Canva oh, yeah. is oh, yeah. a gem. <laughs> it's free, so use Canva. There's loads and loads of templates, so I guess you don't have to be super like good at designing, yeah. but um, definitely switch up the designs. <laughs> like, I see designs, I'm like, that's Canva. <laughs> But it's free, it's fun, like you don't have to have crazy skills for it, but um, it's great. So I use Canva. Um, I like edit a lot of the dance videos. I would have to like, I have Final Cut Pro and I do all that. But now you have InShot. I don't know if anyone heard of InShot, but you can like edit um, videos on your phone. It's so easy. Um, so that's really helped my life. And then I schedule a lot. So there's loads of like scheduling things for Instagram. I know there's like Planoly, there's preview there's loads of them but scheduling apps makes it easy and then I don't necessarily have to think about it or be like oh crap I haven't posted like what can I do um so I schedule my content as well so that's a little content gem and all, they're all free amazing yeah so I'm I'm like a spreadsheet excel girl like I'm a, I'm a geek I'm like a mass geek so I think um Initially, I did a lot of my planning on Excel, which is just, it's hard when you're working with a team to kind of share what your plans are over Excel. So that was a headache. Then we moved to Google Sheets or what have you, still a headache. But I found this um, free tool called ClickUp. Um, and it's really, really good for just like making sure everything's done. So like there's so many moving pieces as I can imagine. So it's just, I put all of every the whole to-do list kind of just turns into a beautiful Gantt chart and timetable, which really warms my heart. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so ClickUp is definitely a love of mine. Okay. Um, so let's talk about 2020 because it's been one hell of a year. It has been one hell of a journey. Um, so I'm really interested to know how 2020 has impacted your business, whether it be Miss Corona, who won't leave us alone, or whether it be Black Lives Matter and um, the incentive to now buy black and support more black owned businesses. I'm really interested to know how that's impacted everyone. Everyone's looking at me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say 2020 has been... Uh, absolute roller coaster. Like even when I came in today, I can't remember what month we were in because just everything has happened. But um, for me, I, I feel like I've 
yeah, 20, <laughs> don't know where to start. So I, I start from the top of the year. So I began the year having like a very like specific strategy around how I wanted my business to be. Um, and then I almost got stuck in America because Trump decided to close the borders. <laughs> so that kind of speaks to how things went. So came back home, um, and we were in a lockdown and my, the, my, I'd say my business has like had like peaks and troughs depending on what's happening in the world. So the first lockdown, like literally went to zero because nobody was going out. So no one was wearing lipstick and no one was buying lipstick because we were all buying toilet roll. So, <laughs> and I was just like, okay, that's it. Maybe my business is over <laughs> kind of thing. Um, and then like over the summer, like as the lockdown eased, I started to see like myself like go back up and then, um, the Black Lives Matter like movement picked up a lot of steam and off the back of that came the black back by black movement which again like I saw some of the biggest sales months I've had in years over that time and then like the US election happened and there was like rumors of another lockdown like things were happening across Europe and then my back to buying toilet roll and not lipstick um and then I recently filmed with channel four and that video went out like a week ago or two weeks ago and literally like now 90% of my stock has sold out so it's just been such a crazy like up and down year and for me the biggest lesson for me has been the fact that nothing has happened the way that I planned it or wanted or expected but I've still had really really incredible moments um and so it kind of speaks to what I was saying earlier about knowing like okay I'm in my purpose I'm doing the right thing um and also just knowing that there are going to be years like this and I think like another thing that's come out of it like over the lockdown period I started doing like master classes for mostly women who wanted to start businesses or had decided to start making things because they'd been at home and I think for me what's really incredible coming off the back of this is like there's this big like making movement or entrepreneurship movement especially amongst women because it's just like life is not promised like nothing there's no like real stability so people are kind of like you know creating their own lane and for me that's really powerful and that's something that makes me really happy and feel really optimistic about the year the new year I can't yeah. wait. Can't wait for 2020. <laughs> <laughs> I think the thing that 2020 taught me for the first time was that when we're planning for the year, we only ever used to account for things that we had control of within the company. So it was like, okay, if we do this campaign here, then we know that this is going to happen. Or it's Christmas here, it's Valentine's Day here, so let's plan around that. Whereas when I look back at the plan that we had for 2020. It's one in the bin. Like, yeah. there's, there's nothing that is relevant on it. I'm like, did we even have Valentine's Day? <laughs> <laughs> because we're not used to that. <laughs> I'm not used to factoring in world events or like external things. For me, it was always very much tunnel vision. What are we doing inside the company? How can we impact sales internally? And what are we doing? So, yeah, that. It's, an, it's a new terrain, but um, I'm getting used to it. Definitely getting used to it. How about you, Tia? Um, so I left my full-time job December 2019, and I was like, um, I'm not going to worry about business plan or anything just yet. I just want to, like, enjoy my Christmas, you know, dirty December. <laughs> and then when I come back to the UK in January, like, fresh mind, I'll, I'll, I'll figure out what I'm going to do. So come back in January. I'm like, 2020 is going to be my year. All of the stars were aligned. It was beautiful. 
Uh, January, I started getting a little bit of traction. February was good. March, International Women's Day. So my bookings were starting to come up. I was like, okay, I'm about this life. And then um, I was living off my savings till that point. So April, May, June was when like I was going to start seeing money coming in from my business. And then March happens and lockdown happens. And I'm literally in the space of a week, I literally get cancellation email after cancellation email after cancellation email. And each one of them is just like a blow oh, yeah. to my chest every single time. And literally, wow, I've cried some really ugly tears this year. You know, when you're just like, I know that. Wow. <laughs> I was there with my popcorn and my wine, like literally. But um, I had this image in my head, and my negative thoughts were telling me, you've hit rock bottom, just go get another job. There's no way you're going to bounce back from this. And I had this graph going. It was like January, February, March. March comes crashing down, and then that was it. That's where it ended. And that's what was playing over and over again in my mind. And I had to say to myself, like, Tiva, is this the story you want for yourself? That lockdown happened, you know, your opportunities got cancelled and you gave up and went to get another job. And I was like, no, that is not the story I want. So I was like, okay, what is the story I want then? I want, okay, March happened. I couldn't control that. But April, May, June, July, I want to see growth like I've never seen before. So I redrew that graph on a piece of paper where it was started to go up when it came to April, May, June. And I wrote, um, whatever goes down must come back up. I am unstoppable. And um, I put that on my vision board and looked at it every single day because I was like, that is what I'm working towards. It is going to come back up. And it absolutely did bigger than I could ever imagine. So I realized um, I was an entrepreneur. I was freaking out, and, but I'm naturally a confident person. And I was thinking there's so many other female entrepreneurs out there who might not be confident, who are also freaking out. Let me put on something to help them and give back to my community. So I started a webinar series called Killing It as an Entrepreneur um, through April, May, June, where I was running webinars every other Sunday on like money, well-being, personal brand, like starting your business, things like that. And I had over a thousand women attend the webinars right and I just thought it would be one webinar just to see how it goes and then it ended up being like a five-part series um and so that just like kind of created like so much brand awareness and like people started finding out about me and hearing the message and then that led to a whole bunch of like corporate clients and things like that and just yeah things have really taken off I think I'm just so grateful that one I bet on myself and I didn't give up and go back into a full-time job but yeah the resilience that has been displayed this year has been insane and um you know I've had months where like I didn't know where my December money was coming from I didn't know where the next month's salary was coming from but something always showed up in the moment that I have not gone since March there has not been one month where I've said I've made no money something has always come up and so I'm so grateful to like God the universe whatever you want to call it I just know I'm not alone in this and I just know that when you step in purpose everything aligns and you just experience like abundance in your life and so I'm just so grateful for the level of abundance that I've experienced but also for the low low days because it was in the lows that I came up with the ideas for the things I'm experiencing yeah. now. Absolutely. And can you give us a quick humble brag on <laughs> some of your corporate clients have been? I haven't been bragging enough. Okay. <laughs> 
Um, so yeah, so I've literally worked with Facebook, um, Google, YouTube, TikTok, Snapchat, um, Deloitte, Morgan Stanley. Keep going, um, keep going. Yeah, Stack, um, UN Women, UK. Um, literally, and it's so funny because last year in November, I went to an event at Google and I stole my security tag with my name on it because I wanted to put the security tag with my name and the Google logo on my vision board because I said, I'm going to be back here one day running a workshop. And literally, um, I, the way the Google workshop even happened was crazy because I, I was putting on a workshop, just like a weekend workshop with my community. And my goal was to have like 10 people sign up and I had two dates available so my goal was to get 10 people in each group um, on the one date only two people signed up but on the second date 10 people signed up so I was like oh this is embarrassing like should I cancel that workshop because there's only two people what if they think like I'm not good at what I do that I can't get people to sign up and then I was just freaking out and I was like hang on hang on hang on and this is what I was saying about success right success isn't about two or ten people it's about did I put on the workshop so he said I said you know what, I'm just going to put on this workshop with the two people and have fun and enjoy it because it's not about the numbers, it's about the impact the content has on their lives. And so somebody in that, that came to that workshop worked at Google. And because there was only two of them, they had such an amazing experience. She was like, Tiwa, I love your work. You are straight to it. There's no fluff. I need to go back and tell everyone at Google about you. And she did, and then that's how it happened. And then it was like, yes, we need to book you for an interview here, and then we need to um, book you to run a workshop here. And then um, someone at Facebook got in touch with me that they were deciding between the CMO, the chief marketing officer of Netflix, versus me coming in to give a talk, and they chose me. Wow. And I was like, that does not add up. Like, there's something, like, this is crazy. But I think, you know, I didn't just wake up one day and start doing this, right? This is 10 years of, you know, 10,000 10, hours of practice behind the scenes type of thing. So, you know, I started off working as a youth leader where every single Friday night I was giving my time to young people. And that's where I learned, like, my confidence in public speaking and knowing, like, what content people resonate with. So all of this is happening now because I have been preparing for this moment, you know? Um, and yeah, so I'm really excited for 2021 because I'm like, if this was 2020, so let's have it. <laughs> I definitely want to come back to what you said about putting in the hours, because mm. I think the most dangerous thing about the entrepreneurship experience online right now is, yep, I can wake up tomorrow and I can become an entrepreneur yeah. without paying homage to the fact that people actually put in a lot of yes, work and a lot yes. of time to refine their skills. So we'll come back to that. Okay. But as of right now, <laughs> Tree, 2020, how did it treat you? Or how um, is she treating you? Woo! <laughs> 2020. Um, yeah, so it started off, I remember, Feb, someone said Valentine's Day, and I remember Feb, we went on. I don't even remember Valentine's Day. I know, we went on. Well, I remember it only, like last year. only because, I just remember it because um, I did a retreat and it was a first retreat, and then it went so well that we were like, yeah, let's do one in summer. So that's why I remember that moment. Um, and so, yeah, March comes about, and, you know, just doing our normal thing, like classes, blah, blah, planning for this next retreat. That's where we were at. And then, yeah, lockdown comes, and it was like, what? And the difference with my business and my space is that 
everybody all of a sudden was like, right, we're doing all these classes online, Instagram, 10 a.m., let's go. And I was just like, wait, like, I just thought, like, do I have to keep up with this? And I remember just feeling like the whole world was swallowing me up because now I... I felt such a responsibility to my community to provide something for them. And I just thought, oh my goodness, like what am I gonna do? And I was really beating myself up about it because I felt like I wasn't doing enough for them. Like I need to be putting on these events. I need to be like going live every day. Like it was so intense, you know? Um, and then I had to stop and just think, look, like I can't give to others if I'm not giving to myself first. That whole like, idea of can't pour into other cup, other people's cup of yours isn't full. So I literally, I remember, I think a good month, I was like, I stopped everything. Like I literally put the business temporarily like on pause because I was like, I am so overwhelmed. There's no rule book to say what happens in a pandemic, you know, like, hello, <laughs> what you're meant to do. And yeah, like social media was just so intense. Like I was just like, okay, I can't keep up with this. So I just had to take that time out. And I'm so, even though I felt the guilt, I felt a lot of guilt, like I'm not doing enough for the business. Um, but I'm so glad I did. I took that time out for myself, just had opportunities to just like gather my thoughts, like get my energy back, you know, and just like have that self-talk that you're talking about, like, no, you know what you're doing. This is, you're good. Um, so once I got myself together, <laughs> finally, um, yeah, it was really important to say that time. Then it was like, okay, we, I didn't want to burn myself out by doing live classes all the time and thinking like I really had to like keep up with this. So I decided to do some pre-recorded classes, which I thought was going to be like the best idea ever. And it wasn't, it wasn't. So it was because I got the most signups I've ever received. Like literally we had like over a thousand people sign up to these like live classes and stuff like that because people want to keep moving, they want to keep healthy. Like, and loads of people are spending more time online during the lockdown. So loads of people were discovering my business. So I had the most, most signups like ever, but then I was like, it's, just me, like, I have to do it all, so I was, like, recording everything, and editing for hours, and, yeah, I definitely created a lot of work for myself, and prior to this point, I didn't have instructors, so it literally was just me doing everything, um, so, yeah, pros and cons at that point, that was lockdown number one, then um, things eased up a bit once we came out of that lockdown. And again, like I said, because we were, because loads of people were spending more time online, I had people discover me. So like TV companies and like um, wanting to do a show with me, wanting to do a documentary, I had like a big brand come through and wanting to collaborate. So all of a sudden it was just like, ding, ding, ding. Like things were just happening. And I was like, okay, this is cool. Um, but I do remember at the beginning, um, like t was saying, like it was like a blow because loads of contracts were getting pulled and things being postponed and I was like oh my gosh like what am I gonna do um it was really sad I definitely cried let, let me not lie there were tears I was like because everything's over oh my god um but yeah so from the first lockdown moving into like the second lockdown um like I said now I've got the most signups I've ever received I've got all this attention um, like I said, I did some filming um, when the lockdown had eased. So I also had a Channel 4 thing that went out. And then that literally just brought an influx of people to the business. Um, from there, even people were like applying to teach. So now I've got instructors. Yeah. So second lockdown, I was like, I got this. <laughs> 
literally I've made the most money I've ever made. Um, like I said, I can now delegate because now I have a team. A team is so important. You need to talk about how important a team is, please. Um, a team is so important. So like I can now delegate. I just do like the content stuff and I can just like breathe while people are still doing it. So yeah, in that sense, it, the lockdown everything has been amazing for my business because it's this whole thing of like you're stuck in your house but people wanted to stay active people wanted to do things people wanted to connect with people still and people were spending so much time on their phones yeah. so it was a it, that whole idea of like brand awareness it was like amazing I think it just took a long time for me to figure out how to navigate it from my end but I'm happy that you took your time to do that it's instead so of nice. rushing it yeah. so am I because the internet was rushing me girl <laughs> Like it was it was intense. I can definitely relate to the guilt that comes with not doing it because 2019, Treasure Trust pretty much done an event every single month. Mm. We've done panels, we've done workshops, we've done teen experience workshops, we've done pop-up shop. We were always doing something. And then we were getting ready to start again and then lockdown. And I was like, oh my God, like, what am I going to do? Like, we're not going to do panels for these people. Mm. Well, we're not doing any events. Does it look like we're just neglecting our community? But then I was like, yeah. Jamina, also... One, you have to stay alive. <laughs> Two, you have to make sure that everyone on your team is good and that they still have jobs. Yeah. And that's actually more important right now 100%. because we're not going to be able to serve our community if we're not okay as a team. Yeah. So I definitely had that moment of, I feel so bad that I'm not helping anyone, yeah. but I need to help myself and I need exactly. to help my team. Exactly. <laughs> like, I need to make sure that we're good so that we can actually enter this next phase rather than like trying to do everything, burning ourselves out because... If you had done everything the first time, you would yeah. have been burnt out for the opportunities just, that were to follow. I would not be sitting here. No. <laughs> yeah, no. So looking in hindsight, looking back, I'm so glad I was sensible enough to yeah. acknowledge, no, Trina, you need to pour into yourself right now. Mm -hmm. And we're all in survival mode. Like, you know what I mean? We're all trying to survive. So I need to do what I need to do for myself to survive in this moment, you know? Yeah. So I had to pour into myself. So I think that's a really key thing that I've learned for myself. That I, mm -hmm. I have to give to myself before I give to others 100%. Um, and then, yeah, it's just, I just had to do a whole, like, re-strategize things for the brand. So now, of course, I'm doing online classes. Like, I had to just, like, think about that. But it's been amazing mm -hmm. because now I'm having students and people come from all over the world dancing with us. Like, you know what I mean? So in that sense, it's been amazing because I wouldn't have thought, oh, I don't have the time to do online classes as well. Whereas now yeah. I'm like, that's the way to go. <laughs> I was leaving my house. Like, what? <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah, in, in that sense, 2020 has been amazing for the business. I just mm -hmm. had to make sure I was good first before I could come up with these amazing ideas for them. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. How about you, Victoria? Because I know everyone spent a lot of time in the supermarkets and still exactly. are to this day because yeah. it's the only place that we can go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so in terms of sales, 2020 has been really good for Sunmo and especially even online. So our online, I guess everyone wants to order online and food wasn't something that outside of Ocado or place like that, wasn't something that people, I think, thought they should um, buy online. They just thought you go into a supermarket. But it's, it's started to be something that people adopt more online. I remember doing a panel, was it, I think, October last year. And um, we're talking about online sales and how, okay, it's not really adopted right now in the food industry. But it's kind of gone done a complete overhaul. And, yeah, people are buying food online much, much more. So, yeah, that's it's been really good, I would say, for the business. Um I'm very optimistic though, so I had to think about the negatives. Mm -hmm. I think for me, um, 
I just want to go to the cafe and I just want to go get some food <laughs> and I can't do that and it's just <laughs> it's really annoying and then um also there was like there is a big like tv show coming out I'm meant to be we was meant to be filming um for ITV on during this time but we can't do it just because of um COVID-19 so that's been pushed to 2021 so I guess in the sense that like things have kind of gone on hold because of this whole coronavirus thing so yeah it's been a it's been a really positive year for in terms of sales for Simone. That's how I have to think about it as well. Like things are just on hold. Yeah. yeah. They're not it's not oh I think yeah. it's so dramatic. Like it's just on hold. It's just yeah. on pause. Like yeah. just I had to just make sure I was just like um keeping up those relationships, making sure I was just yeah. checking in with people, like yeah. just keeping that going and it's just on hold next year or yeah. wherever it is, you can sort of build on that and who knows, it might even be your the idea or whatever could be bigger than what you had originally done. I find that that's always yeah. 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 And I feel like where everyone's just had to stop, I feel like even maintaining relationships, I've actually found professional relationships a lot more fulfilling this year mm-hmm. because the conversation isn't just okay yep can you participate okay yep but instead it's how are you how have you yeah. been how's your family been yeah. oh okay cool so I feel like everyone's been humanized this year whereas yeah. before it was just very transactional yeah. and I kind of hope that that stays yeah. going forward yeah, yeah. um but Tima going back to your point about um the fact that you have put so many years and so many hours in place to get you ready for what is now your peak but won't be your peak in a few years because you're going to continue to go up yeah um I want to I want to explore that a bit more and I don't know maybe everyone else can speak on how their journey so far has prepared them for where they are today yeah um I think humble beginnings are so important and I think you mentioned that earlier like actually like don't despise the days of humble beginnings you know yes I started off literally I started off as a um, youth mentor in a basement in Oxford like every Friday dedicating like three hours of my time to hanging out with young people and that was where I legitimately found my purpose in 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 confident and killing it and in what I'm doing now and I remember one of the um the kind of other youth leaders she came up to me and she was like she was like Tiwa I really really see you having some sort of community or movement or ministry something like that she was like just from the way you speak I just know and I was like wow okay so then that got me thinking about you know the possibilities of my life and things like that and um, yeah like I was saying it literally it was that moment and I think you really you can't just think your way into purpose you can't think your way into passion you actually have to practice and get started and see how it makes you feel So the day I knew that, okay, this is actually where I need to be going with my life was when I quit the job in the engineering company and I came to the youth group to run the workshop. Everyone was like, Tiwa, what is up with you today? Like, you are on fire. Like, you are great. And I was like, ooh, that makes sense, right? That job was not aligned with my purpose and speaking to people is. So this is the path I need to follow. And I think the key thing about that is being intentional about your personal growth. Confidence is a practice, like growth. Confidence is something you have to be intentional about. When I was 21, I thought I'll wake up when I'm 25, have money and be like, yeah, I'm grown. Life is good. And then you get to 25 and you're like, wow, adulting is the ghetto. (laughs) (laughs) So I think 
like being aware, like the most important thing, your mindset is the foundation to everything you go on to do. And so if you don't invest in who you want to be and your mindset and actually like invest in your confidence and, um, your growth, you're not going to get to where you want to be. Like before the dream house and the dream car and the dream business, you need to be in a good place first because that's when the success comes. So I think, um, there's so many, I think Instagram makes it look like, oh yeah, like you can wake up one day and be making hundred thousand pounds in sales and things like that. And comparison is the biggest driver of negative thoughts. Comparison will steal your joy. So if you're an entrepreneur and you're listening to this, try not to compare your journey to other people's because my most miserable days were when I was comparing one year into my business with somebody who's already 10 years ahead of me. If you really think about it, that makes no sense whatsoever. You've just started. How are you going to compare your journey to somebody 10 years ahead? So I had to stop that whole comparison of looking left and right and look back from where I've come and all the hours that I put in and be grateful for the growth and look forward to where I'm going and, you know, how I have the skills to take me to where I need to go. So yeah, learning to stop comparing yourself to other people and to to put in the work because it's all part of the process. You're on a journey, you know, um, and being an entrepreneur is not a sprint at all. And if you treat it as a sprint, I want to have everything all in one go, all at the same time, it's going to lead to a lot of disappointment. So I've had to really manage my expectations and realize that I can't have it all at the same time. I can have different seasons for, for different things and, um, yeah, keep putting in the work and just take every day as it comes. That's what I do now. Just take every day as it comes. Can I win today? Yes. Okay. Let me win tomorrow and the day after instead of like going so far in the future and like getting disheartened because I can't control anything. Said. <laughs> so how about you because you've been in the startup space i'm sure before there was a startup space because i remember going to one of your talks maybe i was like six months into treasure dress or like oh, three wow. months into treasure dress um and i remember looking at you thinking wow like she really done it <laughs> this is amazing and um, so what's your what's your experience with the startup scene and maybe what's some advice that you would perhaps offer to anyone that looks at your journey like, well, I'd first of all, like, following what Tua said, like, putting in the hours is so important. And, like, I started working in the beauty industry at the age of 16 and working on counters, like, rain, sun, snow, like, going into Selfridges, wearing heels for eight hours. And I always say I'm glad that there was no Instagram <laughs> because I would have just been like, well, I can't afford a Birkin. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, and... and yeah, so you you have to, no matter how you do it, whether you do it like public publicly or privately, like you to get to a certain amount of success, you have to put in the hours. And um, I think I've been quite lucky, like you said, like I've been, I was able to get into the startup scene, not intentionally. I've just luckily been around a lot of other people who also run businesses. A lot of friends that I went to school with um, have businesses and kind of created like this like environment for small businesses owned by black people within the UK and then they were just like oh Flo you have a business come be a part of this so that's been really helpful um, but I think for me what's kind of helped me like stay on track over the years is just knowing that like I'm just not the only one going through it like it's been even just being on this panel and hearing everyone's stories makes me like even more know that we're all going through our own thing like 
everyone has their struggles, everyone has their battles, and you literally, like Tiwa said, have to just take it one day at a time. And I think, like you said, again, like, I'm just going to repeat everything Tiwa said, like, <laughs> you cannot compare your journey to other people because I've had people who started their businesses at the same time of my, as mine, had a, like, complete upward trajectory. And, like, even Sophia, who I mentioned um, earlier when I was saying how much she inspired me at the beginning of the, of my um, talk today, um, her business went bankrupt. <laughs> so anything can happen. So you can't focus on what other people are doing. You really have to just like stay the course, take it a day at a time, a week at a time, a month at a time, and like build a community around you, people who understand. I think one of the hardest things about running a small business um, that a lot of people don't talk about is just the amount of people in your personal life who they do genuinely care about you but they just don't have an understanding of what it is that you're trying to do and so sometimes their advice of like oh you know maybe you should be realistic or maybe not like dream so big or maybe focus on smaller stores over getting into a large store and all these little things that people will say um, can kind of get into your head so as long as you kind of keep empowering people around you and you have voices to counteract other negative voices yeah you just keep plodding along how about you tree any any <laughs> advice that you want to offer as far as like how long you've kind of been in the game for um that has led you to this point or maybe it's not something that's directly linked to curve catwalk but you can look back and be like oh actually that was preparing me for mm. this gosh so much so my background is in um television production um so i freelanced in that industry for 10 years from when I was 16 um, and from young actually I mean from young like from I started that career I was always juggling things mm -hmm. so I remember my first job was at the BBC and I was at uni um, and then I think I was doing part-time at the BBC I was at uni and I had another job so like I <laughs> I that sort of I mean, at the time, I wasn't looking at, looking at it as like, oh, I'm, I'm such a hard worker. It was like, I just need to do what I need to do. Like, I was trying to earn money, get my education, but get experience. Like, yeah. <laughs> all at the same time. So, I, yeah, looking back, I guess I was always that driven person. Um, I think I learned from there, like, you really have to um, go for what you want. That's what it was kind of teaching me. Um, but, yeah, I was putting in the hours. I, my last job in TV was at Sky Sports. So I was working at Sky Sports, and I had started Culture, which is a platform that I have, and then I started the Curve Catwalk. So, once again, I was juggling, like, the three things, um, and it kind of just became, like, the norm almost, like, doing multiple things. But I think working in, like, a corporate space, it was that whole thing of how can I put in all these hours into building someone else's dream and building someone else's goal and vision and not put hours into my own. Mm -hmm. um, so that sort of, I guess my hard work when it came to working at other companies, I was like, I have to apply that to my own. Mm -hmm. um, and I can't not do that, you know, especially if I have a passion, something that I want to do, I absolutely need to apply that same drive and those same principles working in a business and working in a company to my own, you know what I mean? So keep like keeping up relationships. I had to do that in my workplace, scheduling, being organized, mm -hmm. you know, even just things like I would have to be at work at nine o'clock when it comes to my own business. I'm absolutely not getting up at one o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> like, so being disciplined, I yeah. think it really helped me with that. Gosh, there's so much to be honest, but I think it's that whole idea of you can't be doing all this, these things in a, in a job and not, 
apply those same principles or even more to your own own business. Yeah. Yeah. That's what how I would sort of encompass all of that. (laughs) How about you, Victoria? Um advice um or yeah any advice for anyone entering the entrepreneurship experience so maybe they've seen that success or sumo and think oh yeah yeah i can do this overnight like just maybe giving people advice on that yeah i think (laughs) it's definitely not overnight yeah i think that sometimes people think um i don't know Of, of course there's probably overnight successes um but there's definitely a lot of work that goes behind this on behind the scenes um Sometimes people think, oh, it's just because, I don't know, their personality or something has just helped them along the way. But I would I would say, and I, I, even though it's like the space is full of these white women and white males, they put a lot of work in behind the scenes. Like, they post all the time. They, they like, I speak with them and they've done a lot of work. Um, same same like I have and you from the kitchen to go into events and you might see an amazing event being put on or branding and like staff members but we don't know that the founders actually been in the kitchen in the morning and been setting up the whole thing as well so it's I think you you kind of reap what you sow you have to put the hours in to get the output you have to send the emails to hundreds of people um so yeah there is a lot of work that goes on um when it comes to being an entrepreneur so don't just think that I guess there's the one ticket that you need to get you do need to do a lot of um I would say licking up to people as well, just like beg friending, everything. Like just just be that person that does it all. Um, I would definitely as well say just be fearless with it. Um, there's been times I'm just like, oh, what what do they think? Or I don't want to bug them and stuff like that. But being fearless and in people's face has paid off. So I would just say like be bold with everything you do in your friends as well. I would also add as well, like, remember, I feel like for me, times when I feel like I'm veering off track, I always have to remember my why. Like, why did I start this? Because, like, someone said earlier, it's not even about, like, the numbers. Someone might have more numbers than you, whatever, but always, or imposter syndrome is, like, a big thing for me. I'm like, Mm -hmm. what am I doing? But always remembering your why and, like, why you started this, not just for, like, I don't know, Insta fame, you know? It's like, work actually goes to this and always go back to your why. And that will sort of, that's helped me just stay on track. Definitely, definitely. Well, thank you, ladies, so much for your time. This conversation could honestly go on forever because I still have more questions, but I'm mindful of time. But I really appreciate you all taking the time out to travel down here, first of all, to record, but then also sharing your experiences because they're all equally as inspiring. And I know that this is definitely going to help a lot of people. So thank you.